too. All right, so all right. Greetings and welcome to a special conversation with the way of Noah. I am joined by a new friend. Uh, we've actually been Facebook friends for a little bit of time now, but we've actually we we have recent events. We've actually gotten to chit chat a bit, um, and I'm really excited to sit down with uh, Miss Paula today. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing better. <laughs> uh, it's been a, it's been, well, well, it seems like it's, it's, it's been longer than a crazy week for you, but the past several days, almost week have been pretty um, revealing in many ways. Um, for those who are not aware, Paul is a former staffer or former uh, employee staffer. I've, I'm not sure what the language volunteer. even is. Volunteer uh, with Truth Against the Machine. Um, and as many of you already know, there have been allegations against founder Jordan Sheridan a former staff person with uh, TYT uh, regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment um, and, and other things that we'll get into. But I, I just want to say from the outset, you know, you know, from when Paul and I were first discussing this, this isn't about, you know, taking anyone down or being antagonistic. This is about this larger conversation we've all been watching happening nationally, right? Which is, oh, it's past due. It's long past due to talk about the way in, in which we endure or protect, you know, and, and shield um, our spaces in terms of sexual assault, sexual harassment, and, and in some instances, rape, um, and, and, and that provide toxic, it's a toxic culture, excuse me, that lies underneath the surface in so many of our spaces. And here we are, you know, people on the left, progressives, who are working to address so many different issues that we actually now have the chance to be once again, at the forefront and on the right side of handling such accusations, right? And and, and the way it has happened since Paula and, and, and her colleagues have come forward, um, it has been very, very poorly received in many instances. So, I mean, Paula, I know that, that you wrote about your experiences um, in a Medium post uh, stemming from basically what culminated with your separation from, from Tatum uh, with the the, the, the the conference or convening that you all had in New York. Yeah. So I didn't, I wasn't even going to write anything about my experiences, mm -hmm. my adverse experiences, because I just wanted to move on from it. But when Jordan came out with his Medium post uh, outing Carly, basically, not by name, but describing in detail his account, which is just rape apology, uh, it motivated me to tell my story because I I could not just stand by and watch. Uh, so at the time, let me explain a little further. So at mm -hmm. the time, there was some of us who were ex-employees and current employees at that time who had convened in a type of uh, support group mm -hmm. in a chat and it was a private chat and there is a, there is a victim who is still affiliated with people who work at Tatum and I don't want to reveal too much about them. Right, right, right. We don't, we don't that it's, it's for other people to share their stories with and when they feel comfortable in doing so. Exactly. But I think the points that you have raised that, that other people have raised who have been public about this, there is a conversation about how this is dealt, how people have kind of entered spaces where people try to discuss how to handle this, where we could talk about those things without necessarily um, revealing, you know, what people themselves exactly. are not prepared to talk about. So this individual, 
I don't think was ready to come forward, even though they had outcried previously and was spying in on our chat and taking snapshots of our chat while we were trying to decide how we were going to help Carly tell her story. Even if she wasn't even sure if she, she didn't even want to come out publicly. Like, let's be honest. She didn't even want to come out publicly about this. And Jordan had gotten the snapshots from this individual who had outcried previously that they were inappropriately or had an inappropriate relationship with Jordan and felt that they were, uh, how would I say, they had made allegations against Jordan as well previously, previously. So it wasn't, so there's this misconception that this individual uh, made up a story. No, that they had come out to other people working for Tatum months beforehand. So they gave the snapshots. He wrote the medium piece preemptively silencing people. Right. And right. outed Carly. So that, that is how this all started. None of us were going to come out public. We just wanted to help Carly. She had, she's been through a lot. Uh, and with that being said, I wrote my piece and I wrote it. It took me nine and a half hours to write mm -hmm. because I wanted to be as articulate and as clear as I possibly could. And that is why it is very long. And I wanted to talk about all of my experiences, especially about race, because what people need to realize or, or uh, race, nationality, your background, your immigration status, you know, where you come from, because uh, the things that were said to me were not only offensive, but uh, it's just cruel. It was just cruel because I became the butts of jokes. Ty was the butts of jokes. And Ty, he, he did, he engaged in predatory behavior, but at the same time, he's just being used. And honestly, Ty is going to be one of the first people that Jordan's going to throw under the bus mm. because women of color, people of color, we're the first people to get thrown under the bus. Now I may, I'm a non-black woman of color, but at the end of the day, guess who got fired? Guess who got silenced? So let's talk a little bit more about some of let, let's let's talk because we, we've talked about just just kind of the environment that was that existed. Right. And it's it's not that anyone's against, you know, when people come together and everyone's really passionate and excited about the work they've been doing, like people unwind, people relax, people have fun. Right. Like, you know, we're we're we, we go hard so often, so much. And in our personal lives, we carry and deal with so much. We have families, we have, you know, parents or whatever that we're all, all the burdens we're all carrying in our daily life. So, you know, you all come together, convene in New York, but there were, you know, issues with the way in which some of the maybe more, I'm not sure how the, di the organizational dynamics were, but Jordan and other maybe more senior people treated you and, and others um, who were on staff, who were present in New York for uh, this, this Tatum convening? So, um, so with, with rape culture, right, there usually are drugs. There is drinking. There is all of these elements. But when I initially went, you don't think about that because these are progressives. These are liberals. These are people that you can be safe, that you don't have to worry. That's the, the illusion of safety, right? Because that's another part of, of rape culture, right? You're more likely to be raped by someone you know than a stranger. And when I went, I, I, I wasn't sexually assaulted, but I was harassed. I asked Jordan 
not to make comments about women's bodies all the time. And he continued to do it. And he would ask my consent if the things he was saying was okay. And he would call me, uh, he would say, oh, I'm not colonial. And he would, I, I would make, I would be made feel to feel that I had to do certain things because he was in a position of power over me at the end of the day. And there was drinking, there was uh, illicit drug use, mm -hmm. there was, and, and look, like like you were saying earlier, Noah, it's cool, you guys can do, you can unwind, but when it's all day, when it prevents you from getting to events on time, mm -hmm. right, the, the summit on Friday night, the first, because uh, the, the summit technically was two days, but people got there early because they wanted to meet people, they wanted to go to New York. No one saw anything in New York. No one took the subway. No one went on the bus. We went to Central Park, and that was it. We were constantly all on standby, especially me, because for some reason I ended up with the responsibility of the Airbnb keys quite often, and I showed almost all those journalists who came there. I want to say 95% of the journalists that came, I showed them where the Airbnb was, and from walking, I would walk them to Jordan's apartment from the distance of the Airbnb. So, I mean, like I was given a lot of responsibility. It wasn't like these people didn't trust me. Right. And I felt, uh, you know, I felt good about that. I felt like, wow, look, but you know, at the end of the day, they ended up using me and my loyalty and I got fired because I was making friends with people and I was starting to realize that Jordan's behavior was really gross, problematic. It made women feel unsafe. And at that point, there was a group of women that we were staying in, a, in the room in the Airbnb because let's be real, these men, I, I don't like, I don't, I know this is going to sound so petty, but like there was one individual there who really smelled and I'm not trying to be funny. It's just the truth. And there was a lot of like, they took over the space. There's like people that came in, took over all of the space. It was mostly white dudes. And it was me, Laura McIntyre and Tara Lee Griffin who kind of made a coalition of, of like the womanhood in the Airbnb. And we would talk about what was happening. And we talked about hearing rumors about other females who had come forward and outcried saying that Jordan had inappropriate relationships with them. Mm. Excuse me. And we actually did talk about Carly and we said, you know, we had heard rumors that she was sexually assaulted by Jordan, but we never had heard anything from her personally at that mm. point. And we also, uh, sorry, my earbud here. We also yeah. had, um, so we had heard about Carly and we also had, um, we heard about those rumors, mm. but then, uh, Carly had told everyone over and over again that we had known and what we, the story that we were told was that promises were made and they weren't kept and she left Tatum. So, I mean, there was a lot of different elements to this. Uh, there was like, there's me personally, I experienced a lot of microaggressions. Mm -hmm. There was one argument I had with a journalist there who said that racism was genetic. Yes. I know. And I, 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 I couldn't believe what I was hearing, what I had to argue against. And uh, I don't back down. I will let you know that. And I, I remember Tara Lee one night when I was having an argument with this individual 
and he, they they've tried to show me this article about monkeys, but it was like monkeys were prejudiced. And I was like, do you know that prejudice and racism are different, right? Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, they're the same thing. So I was like, you need to look up the definition. They're different. Yes, absolutely. And Tara Lee was like, you guys got really aggressive with each other. But, you know, I don't back down. And right. I, I know my stuff. I know what I'm talking about. I'm constantly reading. I I don't only limit myself. What people, too, need to realize is that they need to re-educate themselves mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. race, on social constructs. But basically everything is a social construct. Now, are th- th- those social constructs cause violence in our society? I don't know, you're you about to remind me of the argument that, that I had with Michael uh, A. Woods on Twitter <laughs> recently. You're right. Everything, literally everything in our life is a social construct. Race, gender, uh, 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 class. And, but, the, but the way they, they operate in very real ways that have very real consequences. Uh, like we've talked about this, you know, yeah. uh, look at Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico and its function, right, as less than a state, even though people who live on the island are citizens too in the treatment and the extremely delayed progress in terms of recovery efforts after the massive hits from hurricanes. I mean, U.S. Virgin Islands as well, but it's faring from what I understand, maybe a little bit, just a smidge better. But still, you look at those two places, we're talking about social constructs. I mean, like, it, it, it's a problem. You know, it might only be a yeah. technicality on paper, but it has a very real consequence in, in real life. So definitely. And what people need to realize, too, is that Rape culture, misogyny, white supremacy, and white supremacy isn't just men wearing hoods, which I know you already agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is just for for your audience too. White supremacy isn't it's it's the propagation of we only are going to represent white voices in academia. We're going to be little people who want to be scholars. Uh, we want to. We, but basically, we're impoverishing people right now in this country who want to further study race and the connections with social constructs and sociology, right? We belittle people who get degrees and PhDs and are, have their doctorates in, in African studies or Puerto Rican history, you know, all these types of liberal degrees. But right. we need that. If we don't have someone studying these topics... Who else is? And that is, that is again, propagation of white supremacy. So anytime someone is... So going back to this, these arguments that this person was making, like this was just like the tip of the iceberg, right? I was there much longer than anyone else was. And there are journalists, there are editors for Tatum who weren't even at the summit telling me that I'm butthurt like, what are we, fifth graders? You weren't even there. Mm. And you know from my reporting previously with Tatum, you you know from the materials that I uh, read from that I'm not just some person who's just making up some story. That's disgusting. I wouldn't want to come out. I didn't even want to come out about any of this originally. But the reality is, is, is someone has to. Because women, especially women of color, we are always silenced. Mm-hmm. We are constantly silenced. We're constantly shamed. 
you, you know, like the part in my medium piece about the curb your enthusiasm, the only reason why I brought it up, because at the time I, I even said in my I, article, I, I've never watched curb your enthusiasm either. I've never been inclined to watch it. It's <laughs> and not I was reading that and I was reading that and I was just like, oh yeah, like, why is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> so Jordan was the one who was making the, the, he was the one making it a big deal because I didn't enjoy the show. I right. I'm not going to enjoy something that I'm not going to enjoy. It's like making right. someone eat Neapolitan ice cream when they only want strawberry. Yeah. Like I'm not going to enjoy the show because you like it, and that's what people need to realize. Like, and also, like watching shows you don't like—that's the type of thing you reserve for, like either your parents or grandparents or your 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 significant other, right? Like, like I'll suck it up, or your kids. You'll suck it up, you know, if it's really, really important. But just in like a random collegiate setting, collegial setting like that, it's like, nah, I don't have to do what you're, what makes you happy just because you want everybody to do what you want to do. It sounds like there's a cultural competency issue as well. Not so much necessarily like strictly black and white, but just even in terms of just engaging with people in, in a way that builds, you know, community and, and that is like positive. Um, again, not saying that I'm a Debbie Downer. We can't hang out and have fun and things like that. But like this, yeah. it, it sounds like there was a need to control, you know, even intimate social situations internally. It, exactly. Exactly. And, and, uh, I mean, Ty was a hundred percent Jordan's cheerleader at, uh, at all times. He was a hundred percent, uh, you know, yeah, this is awesome. Like whatever Jordan liked, he liked. And I found that unusual and they would bicker all day long and they would constantly be talking about women. And it's one thing to be like, oh, she's beautiful or, oh, they're very friendly or, oh, they're, they're a kindergarten teacher and they're really great. And no, it was, oh, her tight little body and, oh, her big breasts. Well, they said tits. I don't know how comfortable you are. But, like, they would it's describe. You're fine. You're fine. I'll put a disclaimer. You guys, make sure you pay attention to the disclaimer that's on the episode. Like, they, they just, and that's not my words. That's, those were their words. And, I mean, it's like there's a time and a place if you feel the need as men to to just do, like, the whole locker room talk. Like, that's. That's something that you guys can do. I don't want to hear it. But, and, and what's so crazy about all this happening, I'm sorry to cut you off, what's so crazy about all this happening right now is we just last year, right, during the presidential campaign, during the general election, when all the allegations like were resurfacing and even more were coming out about Trump, Donald Trump, and then they were dragging up the allegations against Bill Clinton. There was a there was a, a the beginning of a conversation about locker room talk, right, and how that just can't be dismissed and how it was wrong and this that and the other. And it's not that we as women don't know that the men in our lives maybe engage in certain behaviors and conversations. I mean. You know, I look at yummy guys. I'm like, mm, you know, I mean, there, there, but there's a thin line, right? There's, there's a thin yeah. line between, you know, uh, uh, just enjoying the essence of someone, whether they're same sex or opposite sex, and then there's, you know, something that's really pervy and objectifying, and 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 and, and sometimes it gets blurred. But 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 it just seems like for it to be so constant and around so many of you, it seems like you guys also had a lot of women, you know, present and on your staff um, that people don't understand that just because some folks may be OK with it or maybe tolerate that that still can cause 
um, an environment, particularly when people are in a, a superior position, you know, in terms of your hierarchies and stuff, that can cause a particular environment that's toxic, that is um, hostile in some ways, right? I mean, it, it really is problematic. Yeah, and, and at the time, too, it was just me, Jen, dies, and Jen dies... I call her Jordan's personal assistant because I don't know what other job title she has. Mm. She, by the way, this is something that's not known. She uh, made or scheduled Jordan's trip to the Caribbean that he's about to have in December. You want to talk about, like, how is that related to Tatum? You know, how is this, you know, this, she did a lot of, uh, and let's be honest, like, I, me, I, I was doing some social climbing. I thought that I was going to get into extended networks, and that's why I, I joined Tatum. I respected Jordan's work because this was before I met him in he person. Has, to and he find has out. done, he has done uh, good coverage. I, I do appreciate the fact that he was one of the people who did finally was on, able to go to St. Louis, where my sis, Corey Bush, and others have still been Yes, protesting. Corey Bush, I yes. I love Corey. And, and, you know, I work full-time, and with kids, I'm not able to get, I, I would have loved to be able to get up and go and be there with her and Bruce Franks and others, but I can't do it. Jordan has had the ability and the privilege to be able to travel and do coverage that the rest, many of us But let me tell see. you, that privilege he has, mm. he cannot see it. Mm. He cannot see it. He, all right, so uh, for example, the first night I was there, he had a fever, and I had known this previously because him and Jen uh, had been talking because I was with Jen in DC for the brand new Congress summit. Okay. And I actually was on a social justice panel with Corey Bush. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I got to talk about Puerto Rico really passionately. So, but, um, with that being said, um, he, one of the, a piece of the conversation we had was, uh, he was complaining about being sick and, mm -hmm. you know, he's talking to a Puerto Rican woman who's worked three jobs at the same time of going to school full time, had a 4.0 GPA, walked miles and miles every day to get to, to college. And, and the, the, he would kept, keep, kept asking me, he, he kept asking me, Oh, you know, uh, don't you feel bad for me? And like, he would do that. He would constantly like, same thing with the Curb Your Enthusiasm. Aren't you enjoying this show? And, mm. and, you know, honestly, I found it, pathetic because it's like I'm I have a one-year-old son right I I have I've had a life I've had a life and I know I've had a life and I don't feel sorry for you he lives a very cushy life I mean like he is he a rape survivor I don't know but I am and and there's like a lot of layers to my life and I'm not just trying to be self-righteous either but no I didn't feel bad that he was sick and I laughed my ass off when he asked me because he's, he's asking the wrong one. You're asking the wrong one. Why are you so savage? <laughs> I, I really am, though. I really am. I'm, I'm merciless because it's like, look, I've, I've lived in poverty. I've lived. Uh, I have like seven brothers. I have seven younger siblings. Like mm -hmm. I've had a life. And and you're and he knows all this, or I thought he knew this, but now looking back and hearing more people's stories, I honestly don't think he cared about any of us mm. personally. I, I think he just go ahead. Sorry, no, 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 you can you can finish. Go ahead, yeah. He he uses us. 
He uses everyone around him. He uses Ty. He uses Jen dies. He uses Sam. He And then all these people who are defending him and standing by his side at the end of the day are going to be thrown under the bus one by one because at the end of the day, Jordan wasn't, he isn't there for people. He's just there for himself. And I, it, as it's unprofessional in the very least, what he did was unprofessional. And, and, mm-hmm. What he did to Carly was horrible, horrible. She's a young woman, and she should not have been put in any of the situations, and none of the things that happened to her should have been normalized at all. No, I agree, and I, I don't, and, and you know, I know, and I know we both talked about, you know, in terms of respecting Carly. Carly did do an interview with Tim Black, uh, which, yes, which I could, I could only, definitely, if you can watch it, I can only watch, you know, clips and stuff. Um, again, like, you know, the, the, the mama bear in me was just, but I think, I think what people really don't understand though, is that you, when you're, when you have negative interactions with people that you feel connected to or close with, or you have trusted in a position, whether it's a position of authority or a position of friendship and trust or love or whatever the case may be, you know, there are things that happen. And even though things that happen against us, maybe we, we might initially forgive or dismiss or or are willing to 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 go along with you know because there are other things coming down we're trying to be you know rational and logical you know the way we're we're socialized as women in particular right and and I, I guess all of us the way we're socialized we're not socialized for for women to have agency and power in these over the sexuality in these spaces and moments when something's done wrong to them we're, I mean just looking at the backlash right with 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 her allegations just look at the backlash and the way so-called leftists progressive particularly women have you know set out to undermine and destroy her account and 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 those who support her including yourself like it it's it's been awful I mean we've seen the same thing with Al Franken's like, initial accuser and now there's a second yes. one i mean there's there's a letter that the former writers and current writers or whatever from saturday Night live you know issued saying that al franken's so great seeing these statements from women like so and so so great they never did anything to me so therefore i believe them what people don't understand is that 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 you know sexual assault and sexual harassment and rape and and, and battery like all of this stuff it has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with sex it's all about power and access and can I get away with doing whatever? And when women it sometimes are in positions where they feel like they are beholden to someone for access, for power, for advancement or whatever, it, it, it becomes a very challenging and detrimental environment. It becomes toxic, right? So, so, you know, people are like, well, why would Carly see him again if this happened? It's not that it, it's it's more it's complex. not that simple. It's very it's, complex. Yeah, this whole thing is so convoluted and complex, and there's so many elements to this, and it's not as simple to say, oh well, and none of it is true because Carly went to see Jordan. Do you know, like there are, there are, there's battered women syndrome, there's Stockholm syndrome, there's all kinds of, you know, why do people stay in abusive relationships because it's a power struggle. And, and I don't, right. that and is, things that develop, is and things and develop and happen however they had. And we're not, the two of us are just having a robust conversation. We're not making any accusations or psychoanalyzing anyone, but I appreciate you acknowledging that because when you look at the greater context, right. And you look at like how these conversations unfold just in general in society. I mean, my daughter actually pointed out to me the story of the young woman. Uh, she was 16 when she was uh, kidnapped by a pimp, made into a sex slave, and she now sits in jail for killing him. And yeah. it's just like, 
she was raped, she was terrorized, but because she took she freed herself and killed her captor, she now sits in jail. And and so I mean, mm -hmm. I mean the, the, historically battered women syndrome was not not really given the weight in terms of legal defense, when you think about it in the legal context, I remember when I was in law school, we would be enraged when we'd read battered women's cases and we would argue with our professor about how, you know, this should have been a battered women's case. And he's like, no, because she had, I mean, like the rationalization to, to that, that would punish men who kill their spouses uh, uh, less. You know, when you look at men who've killed their spouses versus women who kill their spouses, women who kill their spouses in some instances can potentially serve more time because women are seen as calculating and controlled and, 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 and premeditated in their actions, whereas men are just, you know, of, you know, heat of passion. Yeah. Like it was an accident and he didn't it. really mean to. And, and, and that lack of accountability, that's a problem. And we let it spill over even into our spaces, no matter how good the work we're doing is. I saw um, another person who does documentaries and a lot of really great work, organizing work. Terrence Daniels made the comment that regardless of whether you believe the accusations or not, at the very least, like you said, what Jordan's behavior and his, his admitted behavior showed unprofessional conduct that absolutely distracts from all the very real work that everyone's doing, um, whether it's the recent, you know, focusing on the recent oil spill uh, with Keystone, you know, still ongoing residual work from, from, from Standing Rock. I mean, there's tons of stuff happening right now. And it's not that I don't think taking the time to have these conversations is a distraction. I don't think allowing people no. such as yourself to have voice is a distraction, particularly when we see the way in which platforms are being leveraged to silence and control narratives. That's I've been, I've been silenced. Else. Absolutely. Yes. My voice has not been heard at all. And, you know, male incompetence is a form of misogyny. Mm. That going back to, uh, right. Why is it that women are the ones who are calculating? Why is it that we are the ones who have to plan everything, right? Why is it that men cannot take their own autonomy and use it for good? Why is it that there's all these excuses, especially for white males who tend to be statistically more likely to perpetrate sexual crimes against women? Why is it that they don't have the competence to take uh, responsibility for their own actions. There is a major lack of accountability within liberal and progressive circles, and I'm calling people out on it. And if I get hate for this, that's fine, because I get to sleep at night, every night, next to my wonderful husband, and I get to hold my son every night, and I have these deep, loving conversations with my cousin who lives with me, who... He came two weeks before Hurricane Maria hit, because that's a whole nother thing. Like, right now, Puerto Rico is screwed. They, they just got 50% of the power up, and now it's all gone, and there's a freaking blackout. Like, not only do I have to deal with male incompetence, not only do I have to deal with misogyny, white supremacy, and I'm not trying to victimize myself because I'm a survivor. I'm going to let you know exactly how it is, and you don't have to like it. You don't have to like me. You just have to listen, and that's really it. You just need to hear me. But at the end of the day, all this stuff is going on, all these different elements that are affecting directly my family. Colonialism right now is affecting my family in 2017 because of the United States imperialism, right? The United States is in 22 African countries. Why? Because, and then you look at these maps that have human rights violations and uh, what countries are more at risk. And it's the map of colonialism, right? The United States has a pretty low risk. So does Australia. So does Western Europe. And then you look at the Middle East, 
where there's oil, and you look at Africa where there's cobalt where, where that is on our cell phones. Mm -hmm. All of this is interrelated. M misogyny, all of this, all of this, because at the end of the day, with white supremacy and the system that's in place that that allows people to have privileges where it blinds them mm -hmm. from seeing what they're contributing to in a global scale. It this this is just a microcosm. This event with what happened with Carly is a microcosm of what's happening globally. I, I appreciate how you've extrapolated out, right? And and taking that framing, especially when we look at where we are now here towards the end of November, we're almost at the end of 2017. One year down, three more to go. Hopefully folks don't mess it up and we have, you know, Trump or whomever round two. But you know, we think back to August with Charlottesville, right? And when we're talking about and framing, you know, having this conversation, you know, shift and frame in, term, in terms of white supremacy, like uh, some people get so focused on neo-Nazis and Richard Spencer and, you know, the alt-light like Mike Cernovich or whatever, but they don't really look at the way in which we have a system that is deeply entrenched in systemic oppressions, whether it's based on race or gender or economics. I mean, folks will talk about the economic part, but they act like everything else isn't, isn't related or connected at all. But we're seeing in so many different ways, very clearly, how we have to have this 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 level like this 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 interlevel, multi-level. I know a lot of folks say intersectional. I mean, the, the term is so overused. But conversation and dialogue about how we are building movement spaces, how we're carrying out our work, and how do we make sure that we are respected, that we are safe, and that our spaces are also accountable to those of us who are putting our time and energy into building them. And and and, and I appreciate what you were saying in terms of framing it. You know, and and people have had this conversation. Do we talk about institutional racism, systemic racism? Do we talk about white supremacy? Do we talk about privilege? Like, how do we talk about it? But I think the language that we use, we, we do need to acknowledge that there are certain norms that are ingrained in the systems, even in progressive and left spaces that are accepted and permitted to exist and ignored until something like this blows up, you know? Um, I, I, I can understand, you know, whether he recognizes his, his existence as a privileged white man or not. I can understand Jordan's frustration with losing his job. Who wouldn't be frustrated about losing a job? Yeah. But it's interesting that there does not seem to be a real understanding that his losing his job is a direct result of his own reckless behavior, not the alleged effort to take him down. I mean, when you when you create situations that allow particular behaviors to foster and exist, you're a liability. I mean, yeah. like well, he, you don't need to go he, to law school to figure that out. Like you're a liability. I mean, that's yeah, the exactly. Well, he, he won't acknowledge his reckless behavior because he just sees it as normal. You know, Jordan was, and this is according to his LinkedIn profile, because mm -hmm. let me tell you, what did Jordan think when he, he even says that this is the greatest, uh, a group of, of this greatest, the great team of investigative journalists that he's put together himself, right? He even called us that. What did he think when he hired all of these investigative reporters? What did he think when he hired the nosy Puerto Rican who's lived in the South her whole life? Like, in the diaspora. Like, what did he think was going to happen? <laughs> That's your code name for no, now a nosy Puerto Rican. <laughs> yes, let's I'm, go. I'm, let's a, I'm, go. A big mouth, I'm a big mouth, angry black woman. Nosy yes, Puerto Rican. I'm the I nosy Puerto Rican. Let's go. Let's go with these stereotypes. This Latinx girl is fearless. Let's go. So, what did he think was going to happen? Like, this... Well, so I, I went to his LinkedIn profile. He was a president of his frat. He worked for ESPN. He worked for Fox News. 
This is public information. And you know why he mentioned the Fox News thing in his article in his Medium piece? Was because I found him talking about Bill O'Reilly getting fired for TYT politics. And I sent the link because what he says is rape apology. He doesn't ever talk about victims. And one of the things he says in that video, which you can look for yourself, and I'm not exaggerating, this is what he says. He says the women coming out against Bill O'Reilly was the Bill Cosby effect. Okay? That's what he said. All right? So he doesn't focus on the victims. He never named any of the victims. He focused on Fox News and why they were wrong. And that's what's wrong with progressives. You cannot focus on what and what your enemy is doing when you are doing it too. And this was in April. And we, we're crazy. seeing this now with, with, with now with yet now John Conyers, information about John Conyers uh, settling in terms of sexual harassment, wrongful termination for a woman who rejected his advances back in 2015. Um, what's really interesting is that information actually was given to Fox, to uh, uh, BuzzFeed, not Fox, BuzzFeed by Mike Cernovich. Um, it'd be interesting to see whoever else digs into those records. I mean, I guess they go back 20 years of payments um, in terms of sexual harassment for staffers of Congress, it'd be really interesting to see who else had settlements. And, and not that we necessarily need to, 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 to name victims, but at the same time, I'd like to know which Congress folks, you know, were on the block or so to speak. And, and we need to clean house. I mean, exactly. it, it doesn't matter. Like we, we have to change the culture. We, we have to force a culture change because I would not, I don't want my children. I don't want your children. I don't want any going forward. We, we need to, there needs to be no tolerance for this type of behavior. When we were talking last night on the panel we did, you know, I, I, I do think about these things. I have very strong opinions and I have kids and I'm like, what if my son, you know, I'm like, I really hope I'm raising my son right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really, really hope that I'm raising my son right. But at the same time, guys get out there, they're with their boys or they're in situations and things happen. And, 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 and I think about, Will I be able to stand with such resolve if my son were to be accused of something? Or would I be one of those women? Oh, he's just so perfect and he held open doors. I really hope that I'm never that person. Like, yeah. you know, the backlash uh, uh, was Lena Dunham and, 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 and you know, people oh, from the Lady Letter. Lena Dunham. <laughs> that's a whole, that's do a whole not, other. That's if, a whole you, other. <laughs> if you're a woman of color, you do not do not support Lena Dunham. Like I divest from her. Divest <laughs> emotionally. She is not worth your time. Mm -hmm. Do a Maxine Waters. You reclaim your time. She is not <laughs> worth it. Right. With so I um it was Zinzi Clemens, right? She's the one, she's the writer who yes. wrote who is no longer going to write for Lena Dunham's newsletter. And and uh yes. she called it I have wrote some notes here just to remind myself the hipster racism. That is what I experienced with Tatum, 100%. It's, 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 per, it's prevalent within left and progressive spaces. And people mean well, you know, but, but, but what she said in her piece was um, they hide it with, with sarcasm and jokes, right? Like The gaslighting. Right. And, and it's so woke. The so woke, the so woke crowd, you know, the crowd that, you know, hated Hillary Clinton more than anything and need to prove how racist she is, but they were open to Trump. Like, it's... It's, it's like there's nothing wrong with pointing out the issues with Hillary Clinton and establishment Democrats. But at the same time, when you're turning the other cheek to Republicans and excusing, you know, they're very virulent and blatant racism. It's like, I'm, I, I mean, I'm over here fighting for liberation. What are you doing? 
Yes. Like, what are you yes. doing? <laughs> yes. This we we need to get this black brown alliance going. Like I know, like I always tell people, like I know I have done personally, me, Paula Martinez, mm-hmm. I have done and said things uh that would made make me now very disappointed in the past. Oh yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, I think when we look back on our younger selves, there oh is there God. is a cringeworthy moment or or a few um, yes, that causes us to pause. For sure. Yeah. As a white Latinx person, I I, I just want to get this out to other white Latinx people. Mm-hmm. You need to look at your anti-blackness. You need to look within your own communities, and you need to call out your moms and your dads, your mommies and your papis, those abuelos. You need to tell them that's not okay for you to say this stuff. Right. And back home in Puerto Rico, there is white supremacy. There are people who call white people uh, la, la pura raza, right? The pure race. There are people who are like, wow, why do you want to be with them? Uh, they don't have pelo liso. They don't have, they, they have kinky hair or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like they'll say stuff like that to you. And it's, and you, like in our community and the Latinx community, we have to start speaking out against that within our own communities. It's one thing to tell white people what they can and cannot say. Like, you cannot say this, it's offensive to me. Now imagine what that person says to you. Now imagine if they said it to your friend who's who's black, who's an African immigrant, who's a Haitian immigrant, who's biracial, that is offensive. And and, and people are not gonna stop unless they're, basically shamed from doing it you got to do the call in call out strategy if it's so outrageous you need to call them out if it's something subtle microaggression call them in and be like man let me tell you why that's offensive there's a history as to why this is inappropriate mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. right white people white white latinx people we're not allowed to say the n-word stop it it's trash okay so i mean the these all of this is related to what happened to me because people like me can also perpetuate uh, per, uh, continue uh, mm-hmm. this this anti-blackness this system of white supremacy this system of colonialism right I, I was assimilated at one point but the only reason why I never fully assimilated was because regardless of, of my mom and problematic things that she has said she would she would not allow me to speak English at home Mm, she would okay. say she she would say in Spanish, I don't understand English. And no entiendo inglés, Paula. You have to speak Spanish. And and I would cry, I'd be like, Mom, I don't know how to say this. I was a teenager, you know, you're hormonal and all that stuff. And she'd be like, No, I don't understand English. You you need to speak Spanish. And you know, if my mom didn't do certain things, I wouldn't be who I am today for sure. But with that being said, like, we got to call out people that we need to call out. And that's what I did with Jordan. And that's what got me fired. That is what got me fired. Because I did not let him talk to me however he wanted to talk to me. And well, going it happened back, in a rather, really your firing weird. also happened in a rather public way, right? You were in a house oh, full absolutely. of people. absolutely. And let me tell you, yeah. to all the Tatum people that were there and know that I didn't break glass, they know I didn't break a glass. And that was in the official title statement. That is libel, 100% libel. And it's disgusting that, that these people haven't come out and said the truth. 
And it makes me so upset that these are people that I consider my friends, that I thought these were people I was going to make lifelong partnerships with, and they decided to side with someone that they didn't even know. And I'm one of those people that I just open up. Like, I'm always going to be that way. I'm, I'm not going to change for nobody, for not anyone. Mm-hmm. And because people, and, and, and it's another element of white, polite society, right? Back home in Puerto Rico, right? People just air their laundry out. Everyone knows everyone's business. Or, or you pretend you don't know, and then you gossip behind your back. And that's horrible. I'd rather just have it all out in the open. Right, right. Right? That's a privilege in itself to not have your dirty laundry aired out in public. That because white people are so used to having, especially upper class white people, they're mm-hmm. so used to having privacy because they have the privilege of even having privacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with all this being said, all these people gathering around Jordan, especially the ones who I'm not going to name names, but the ones who are vehemently defending him. They were there and they saw me get fired and they know the glass didn't break and the glass broke because uh, it was accidentally knocked off of a night table and it wasn't even my glass. It wasn't like, this is ridiculous. I got fired because I stood up to Jordan because I didn't take his shit, his crap, excuse me. I didn't take his crap. And, and uh, that morning, uh, the meeting that we were supposed to have that morning for the summit was supposed to start at 10. He didn't show up until 1145. And when uh, in New York, you, uh, as some people know, you have to buzz people into your apartment. Well, I took the phone and I said, I'm glad you could effing make it. And I said the F word. And then I hung up as hard as I could. And I went into the bedroom because I was so upset because here, I, my, val- my time is not as valuable as his time. That's completely ridiculous. He doesn't even research the videos that he does for TYT politics. He'll choose an article. He doesn't even read the whole thing through. And it made me realize over time, the longer I was there, how little work that he does. And when Carly came out and during her Tim Black interview and was saying that she did all this research for him, and that was the only reason why he knew anything about Flint, Michigan, and how she never got any credit for any of the work she did. And I know for a fact that she is not the only one that he's done this to. I am not the only one that he's done this to. That there are other Tatum reporters who have experienced the same things. And how people can defend him is it's so disheartening because I feel... This is my opinion that, and and I'm not trying to psychoanalyze people, but in observing the systems that are in place and being inundated and researching all of the time, this information, I feel like people don't think they can make it on their own. And, and there, yeah, and there is, it's it's really hard trying to do this. I've been doing a podcast for almost two years now and I have, I mean, there are people on Twitter. I just discovered there are people on Twitter who follow me who had no clue I did a podcast. I was like, why are you following me then? (laughs) <laughs> like, like they're like oh you have a podcast yes why do you not like I you know like it's it's a, it's a fascinating thing so I, I can understand that intimidation of trying to do it without someone with a big name helping to boost and promote your work it's and let's be real he's a white dude he's a white dude in it, progressive it car- circles he's gonna get so a huge following it carries so much more weight than the rest of us it does it, it does. Really does and you know the fact that i'm saying this i'm gonna get hate from white progressive dudes you know any t- my medium piece if you look at it any ad like any negative commentary it's Don't so white oh comments. no i'm not offended <laughs> I, I expected no, it i'm like 
It's I that never, white I, fragility. I to, yeah. You cannot criticize white society in any way at all because it it's that white fragility. It's like, oh my God, how dare you insult me? And you know, if you're getting personally insulted by what I'm saying, then obviously you have problematic behaviors that you don't want to admit. And that's why you're getting so offended because if, if it didn't really uh, include you or you felt personally attacked, mm -hmm. that's because you may need to evaluate how you think and why you think that way. And that's really my shtick is that why? Why are you thinking the way you think? Really reevaluate the social constructs that have made your life the way it is. And, and you know, these people who won't accept that they have privilege – it, you know, because everyone has different types of privilege. It's not just white privilege. Being able-bodied is a privilege in itself, right? I have a brother with severe autism, and he lives in a group home. And I'm not doing this to get bonus points and for people to feel sorry for me. It's my life. It's what I've been through. But at the end of the day, you just having the, the ability to think critically, hopefully, or you, you just having the cognizance of, of being is a privilege mm -hmm. and people don't people are like oh i don't have money or well, is it you don't have money to pay bills or is it you don't have money to buy that new video game like what 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 type of privilege do we have here right it, do you have health care do you have this do you have that then you're doing way better than a majority of people of color in this country and a story like i just I've had so many arguments with people and this has really shaken who I can and cannot trust. And it's really awoken me further to seeing the problematic behaviors in leftist circles because uh, I, I now am thinking and reviewing what people are saying more critically than I ever have had, be had to, excuse me, have ever had to before. So with all this being said, I really hope that uh, with this uh, exposure to rape culture, to this exposure of people coming out, regardless of these 36 women that came out and signed this piece of paper in favor of L. Franken, even though he has come out and said that what he did was wrong, and then people still defending Louis C.K. after he came out and said what he did was wrong, and they confirmed that they did what they did, and there's still mostly white women coming out and defending them, that should be saying something. And everybody who's like, you're race baiting, you're making this about race. At the end of the day, all you have to do is look with it's your eyes. Um, it's uncomfortable, it really is, but we, we have to deal with it. When we continue yeah. to have majority white women still I mean look at all the ones that sit on the stairs with with with, with Roy, defending Roy Moore right down in Alabama I mean like no not all white women blah 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 but seriously there there is something that's pathological that needs to be addressed and dealt with um it's not that men of color are somehow you know not a part of this no conversation, not at all but at the same time there's a particular history that we have to reconcile with and and looking at the way in which people are using their positions of power their platforms to silence any type of discourse or conversation like it's a challenge i understand because there are people who, who literally are tied to and attached to people's names and reputations and so they're fighting for their their position their careers i mean like i get it i understand what you think you're doing but progressives right now are handling this all very, very poorly. Um, yes. you, you can't, you can't, you can't follow people who've alleged 
you know, inappropriate behavior, you can't follow them around all over social media and attack them and, and, and try to That's undermine their credibility. That's what they're doing, and, and it's sick. And it's very it's problematic. Sick. It is and, very problematic. And, you know, for anyone who says that slavery ended, hold, we've got the trash man coming in, but, uh, Anyone who says that slavery ended 200 years ago, great. But the thing is, is those systems that, that has disrupted the ability of people of color to develop wealth. The civil rights movement didn't really kick off until the 1960s. We didn't even pass fair housing laws until 1978. And then on top of that, the last person who was traded during the Atlantic slave trade died in 1971. So it's not like this is wow. so far away from us that we can't touch it. Right, that's our. My mom and dad were both born in 1966. Right, that is within people's lifetimes. The last person who was involved in the Atlantic slave trade as a slave, who was traded off as a slave, died in 1971. Like these people, like do you not realize that the civil rights leaders, you know, are are still alive? Like this is not, and 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 it's all interrelated because, right. Look at the treatment of Puerto Rico alone right now. People are don't have power. People don't have regular access to food. Before Hurricane Maria even hit, 46% of Puerto Ricans were living below the poverty line. Before Hurricane Maria hit. Before Hurricane Irma hit. Right? And then on the island we have... Yes, Theo? <laughs> well, as long as we have protective folks like your hound dog around, I think, I think we have a fighting chance. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He he had to make some commentary there. But um I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. This this whole uh discourse is distract not not this the rape culture and all of this because it's interrelated, but but uh silencing people is a distraction. It's a distraction from the reality of that we live that people of color live in an oppressive state of being constantly. <laughs> And the fact that racism affects our... Let me... You're fine, you're fine, you're fine. I know, he wants in on the conversation, too. Theo! So you guys, like, real people, real life, holidays, you know, everybody got to get to their venue plan and stuff like that. And there's a dog who is very, very staking his territory right now because a garbage man. This is real life. This is real life. This is real life. Real talk, real life. Uh, but like you, you guys yeah, know, like my, my son, my kids like make comments in the background every once in a while. I've actually had my son on a live stream put his come and stick his face in front of the camera and wave hi. And I'm like, "What are you doing? I'm live!" And he's just like, "Oh, <laughs> like, dude, that's not funny at all." Kids but do, kids do kids the darnest do, things. They do. He's 13. He's huge. And I'm just like, "Why are you doing this? You know better. Please stop." Yeah. But but going back to what I was saying, uh, right, we have women of color in Texas right now who are more likely to die from uh, giving birth than white women in Texas right now. Like this is this is like this is racism. This is colorism. Right. Because I was going uh, into the colorism in Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico, we have a colorism problem for sure. Like there's a African-American community across the diaspora. Right. We have across yes. the Caribbean. We have a colorism. Yes. I mean, we have it here across the. You know, yeah, definitely. That's that is definitely yes. an issue. So, um, in Louisa, right? They had an I'm going outbreak. to Louisa. Uh, huh? I'm going to Louisa next month. What? I'm okay, traveling well, to Louisa next month. That's that we can talk about that. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that uh, yeah. <laughs> another time. Well, I was about to say Louisa got hit with like a conjunctivitis outbreak, and there was mm. 300 people with pink eye. Oh my! And God. no open hospitals. 
Yeah, I mean, people have to remember at that time, there was no hospitals that were open. And then the, some of the hospitals had no power and being used as shelters. Right now, the official count just went up 499 people. But many Puerto Ricans know that they have been secretly cremating people in army trucks and keeping them refrigerated in army trucks. Right. Uh, Rosa Clemente reported on that. So, I mean, Puerto Rican people. And then uh, here's another fact. In the 1930s, one third of Puerto Rican women were sterilized. So, I mean, this isn't racism, colorism, all this stuff is, is, isn't anything new. And it's just, if it's white ignorance and fragility, they, people are deciding not to see the structures in place, the power structure in place. And that is not people of color's fault because the majority of us are like, oh, this is nothing new. We, we've been seeing this. We know about this. This is, uh, wow. You know? And, and then, uh, I, so I went to an environmental teaching on Sunday and I had a call. I called this guy out because I went to this talk about rubber town in Louisville and mm, okay. have you heard of rubber town? No. So rubber town is, a. It's like a rubber making plant uh -huh, and uh -huh. Louisville in the West end of Louisville. It's a highly concentrated area of people of color who have been living in generational poverty. And, you know, I'm not, and then here's the thing, like he would make, like there's a huge, like Chanel Helm is the leader of black lives matter. And I understand a hundred percent that I will never be a part of black lives matter, but I can support them as best as I can, you know, being a body, you know, donating what I can, when I can, I understand that fully, but you know, and honestly, without people like Chanel Helm and Ebony Rose, I would not be as knowledgeable of these issues as I am today. Right. That's why we, when people of color are talking, just shut up, just shut up. Especially when it's black people of color, you know, listen, listen, just shut up. Especially when you're white Latinx, just be quiet and listen. Right. This isn't about the oppression Olympics, but just, Absolutely. you know. And it's not, ooh, ooh, I got two new conversations for me to have. You guys know how I get excited when I start talking to people and conversations shift to a really good spot. But no, seriously, I think, though, because you have spent time in, in, in more, you know, rural, uh, are, is your area, is that still part of Appalachia? That's close. It's, it's close. It, I, it's close I to the live region. in Lexington, but my husband's family is from Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, I was say, it's close to the region. But so I've been wanting to have a conversation with folks because I spent, you guys see my West Virginia University College of Law shirt. Uh, I very ever rarely represent my Mountaineers, but you know, I need long sleeves. <laughs> I need a long sleeves on and got a long sleeve shirt. But, you know, I spent a lot, uh, seven years in, in living in West Virginia. And this conversation about race and organizing and things like that is something that I've really wanted to explore more. And, you know, I have some really great folks. But so I would love to bring you into one of those dialogues as well. Because um, what you're talking about, because we have so many people talking about, oh, we got to we got to get the Trump voters or we got to talk to the white working class. And I really don't think people actually understand because they haven't lived and organized in these spaces that you do not have to appeal to certain interests to get people to trust you. You just need to build relationships and look at the yeah. issues affecting those communities. And you can still address the, the issues affecting communities, marginalized communities of color as well. You don't have to trade one for the other. And there's a way that that can be done. And I'd love for a group of us to come together and start fleshing out that dialogue because yes. I really think the way forward, you know, as we look towards 2020 is going to be in that, you know, the brown, the brown, the brown, black and red alliance in a, in a way. Not, yes. not <laughs> that type of red, though, but red as in, you know, red. 
Oh, redneck. <laughs> well, native, native is definitely. I, I forget that native is sometimes referred to as, as red. I was thinking brown there as well. I mean, like I don't honestly. I think that may be derogatory, but yeah, I know, and, 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 and everyone forgive us, you know, for this because because yeah, sometimes not, mistakes happen in well, conversations. You start trying to. To, to workshop yeah. stuff well, on the fly. Time too, like, well, I know in Latinx cultures, too, like, Native people are referred as red skin because of the tone of the skin. And, like, back home, when we say mestizos and mulatos, uh -huh. like, that's not bad. But here in the right. States... That's right. offensive. And, so, and the thing about rednecks yeah. too, you know, I think about back to my time in West Virginia and whether or not that's really the origin story or not, when they talk about the miners and the strike and the red, you know, the red bandanas, the red kerchiefs that they wore around their neck, that's something that I've always been told was a part of the story. So I was thinking about, because you have groups like Redneck Revolt, like I'm thinking about like, how do we build this coalition? And definitely indigenous people have to be at the center of, of our work as well, right? Because we we, we live on stolen land, right? I mean, yes. like we live on yes. land that was stolen from other people. So we, we can't divorce them from these spaces and conversations either. Whether, well, at the end you know, of the day, like, I'm a settler. At the end of the day, because of, of where I came from, who I am, my my roots, right? I, I I know full and well that I am a settler. I'm and and in this case, I'm. I always say I'm a second uh, generation immigrant from Puerto Rico because I'm not treated as a citizen. I have citizenship status, and that's a privilege. I'm not undocumented. I, un I understand that Puerto Ricans were given citizenship privileges in 1917, right in time for World War One. Hmm. You know, right in time for World War One. Um. That that was all orchestrated for that purpose. Um, but I do want to go back to Rubber Town just really quick. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. So Rubber Town, uh, so in uh, the West End of Louisville in Kentucky, it's a uh, majority people of color, and uh, there is a very active Black Lives Matter. It's led by Chanel Helm, okay. and uh, okay. she's she's amazing. And um, with all that being said, uh, the air is what some of the most poisonous. It's in the top one percentile. Uh, all most of the schools in this area of air pollution, and it's affecting children. Though, though you know the what they're breathing in, it's like I, I believe, if I recall correctly, it was sulfur dioxide, just like mm. really poisonous, very horrible. There, there are people you can't go outside with your children on days that there's high levels of smog during the summer. And it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And of course, it's not going to be on the news, mainstream media. It's not going to be covered because uh, it's a majority of, of poor people of color or the poor and people of color. Mm -hmm. Right. So with that being said, uh, Rubber Town is in this is it's a, like a manufacturing plant. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the mayor is a Democrat. His name is Greg Fisher. I'm going to call him out. And people, there, the community has rallied multiple times and had hearings and, and been like, hey, this is poisoning our community. Mm -hmm. And they're not heard. And they're not heard. And, you know, this is this is violence. This is this is a type of violence. Environmental, and, environmental uh, issues are definitely another form of violence across uh, against our communities. Definitely. And I mean, and, and you raised such a really great point with this story. That when you look at you know impoverished communities, particularly communities of color, tend to to bear the brunt directly of you know toxins, whether they're in the air or they're in our water or even in our soil. 
Um, I remember just West Virginia, I remember they did a report about reproductive toxins um, in, in, in the main water source. And I was just thinking like, I've let my kids get in that river because everybody's like, oh, we've all been swimming in this river since we were kids. And I was like, that explains why everyone, you know, th that explains some of the stories I've heard from people. Like I, I never met so many people who had trouble with getting pregnant. You know, I come yeah. from a very fertile family. So I like, I, I never met so many women like in my early thirties who, who needed fertility assistance. Like it was astonishing to me. And then to see this report come out about reproductive toxins in the water, I was just like, this is a really serious thing. And, and while, you know, the issues of West Virginia are not sim are not what's happening in Flint or elsewhere, there are parallels across our communities um, of where these, these issues are being played out. And we do, and it, it's not strictly along party lines, those who are, you know, dealing with, you know, oppressors and stuff. Um, oh, and, and then I remember not. what I was going to say too. So at the environmental teaching, I had to call the guy giving the talk because I had assumed that this that they would have gotten someone, a person of color from the community to talk about what was happening from their community. No, nah, they got a white guy, and then he made it sound like these people, like the people who live in the community, didn't have like they were victims, and that you know, like, and they didn't offer any ways to help, and it was just a plug for their organization it had nothing you know it, it i was constantly saying like and and they they were there the people who had called them to come in were sitting behind me and they're like well oh, you know like basically like why are you getting so offended because it's insulting the way they talked about it was insulting and i know i'm not from that community but i'm puerto rican and then for me i was taking it and, and to offense and and maybe it was wrong of me to call them out mm -hmm. but it was it was frustrating because it's like and then they were pulling examples of of protests of people laying out in the street from the 60s and 70s like it's not happening right now mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. and standing rock and and it was examples from other states so you know like it this isn't anything new right and right. at the same time it's happening right now Right. You have water protectors that were standing in freezing cold water, which Jordan covered. And and then that whole thing, in a sense, I have some issues with because, you know, people like Jordan can easily get an inflated sense of self because they feel like their actions is what uh, their reporting is what's going to change the game, but they're still laying down pipelines on native lands. There's still a water crisis in Flint. And, you know, it, I'm not saying, I, I don't want to belittle what Jordan has done. That is not my goal here. My It's just frustrating that instead of uh, giving funds to people who are from those communities to report from their own communities, we're supporting these outsiders going in who really don't have cultural context, historical context to these issues. And during the summit meetings, uh, he basically told us to just make poverty porn. He showed us a clip of of a houseless individual that they did. He did an interview with for TYT Politics. He was wearing a tie dye shirt. I cannot. I think it was somewhere on the West Coast. Okay. And and they were like, "Well, I was getting emotional." This is what he was saying. I was getting emotional during this interview, and it made me really upset. And I was like, well, did you, you know, in my head, I was thinking, did you, because we were not allowed to ask questions anymore because he said that the next, the following morning, the morning I got fired was when we could an, uh, have a Q&A, but it ended up not being a Q&A at all. The whole thing was just him showing clips of TYT, uh, from him at TYT politics, showing, uh, having this interview with this houseless man, uh, the standing rock, the, the trauma porn of people getting uh, pepper spray in their eye. And instead of 
the, the missing factor from the environmental teach and talk from Jordan Sheraton is how can we help these communities? Do we donate to them? Mm -hmm. Do we, is there people on the ground reporting? You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Like how, it's one thing to report on this and then donate to TYT politics, but how is that helping the community that is suffering from these heinous acts? Yes, giving people media exposure is important, but how do we give that media exposure? Exposure to people and help the people in the community instead of just creating trauma and poverty porn. Because, I mean, if I wanted to watch poverty porn, I could just interview people in my neighborhood and go to the homeless, uh, where homeless people are in where I live. Because, I mean, they're being, uh, where I live in Lexington, there's ordinances now that uh, prevent people from panhandling. And then there's literal signs that say, change the way you give, stop giving to panhandlers. Or there's a there's a less dangerous way. What is that even supposed to mean? Are you saying that people who are houseless are dangerous? They don't even have a house. Right, right. Well, that's the issue we're facing right now in terms of criminalization of homelessness. Now, um, in terms of giving people food, feeding people, they're they're trying to demand that um, activists like a uh, food not bombs here in Atlanta. They're the city is trying to enforce uh, county and state ordinances regarding food establishments. Um, they're trying to say that people need permits to serve food, but when you think about a food establishment and is, is a group of organizers giving out food, a food establishment, I mean, it's it's the machinations within which establishment you know, centers will go through to be able to deprive and deny and subjugate people is astonishing. Um, and, and this is more reason why we do really have to pay attention to who we're entrusting you know, our spaces and work to so exactly. that we can be as exactly. clear and competent as possible because there are literally people's stake, lives at stake in, in many of these instances that we're working on. Um, Paula, you have been a delight, my dear, to talk to. Oh, thank you. Thank and you. I am now making a list of the two or three topics I think we came up with. I appreciate you so much for taking some time to chat with me. Um, yeah. Guys, we'll definitely have Paula back because Paula's, Paula's awesome. So, Oh, uh, thank you so much. <laughs> no, I think that is a really great compliment. You have no idea. No, this is a great conversation. Thank you. And, um, you know, seriously, it, this is not about, you know, making people, turning people against anyone or anything like that. No, we, we it's need to not. have uncomfortable, robust conversations so yes. that we can uplift the discourse and move things forward. Um, and, and speak of the discourse, go check out Brandon Sutton's The Discourse. There's an episode coming out with me on it soon. And it will, I, I, I explain why I'm never going to run, uh, for any higher office. Uh, cause, uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Anoa.